G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. We are in chapter 3 of John's Gospel. In fact, we have just covered the most famous verse, not only in John's Gospel, but indeed the entire Bible. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We're going to continue to hear the words of life from Jesus in John chapter 3. And our lesson is called, Believe It or Not. Basically, Jesus' words are meant to be taken at face value. We can believe it and be saved, or we can reject it and we're not. And he talks very forthrightly, and yet at the same time, he is full of grace, full of truth, And full of love. So our lesson is based on John chapter 3, verses 17 to 26. And again, it's called Believe It or Not. Let me read to you a couple verses from this particular passage as a summary, and then we're going to look at the entire section. Verse 19 of John 3. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought of God. What we're having here is a simple but powerful contrast. It is the conflict, perhaps we could even call it the greatest conflict in the universe, and that is the conflict of light versus darkness, of good versus evil, of God versus the devil. Now, there are all kinds of human conflicts in the world, sometimes between nations, sometimes between coalitions. Of course, unfortunately, we had two horrific world wars, They preceded my time, and I dare say most of you too, but they have left an indelible impression upon history and upon the nations even until now. Yet even world wars are just minor skirmishes compared to the ultimate conflict between light and darkness, God and the devil, goodness and evil. And Jesus, in essence, is talking about this. He would... many ways, refer to the kingdoms of this world as those that are in the dark. They are cut off from God or estranged from God. They are not interested in the things of God. They want to do their own deeds. They like to do things in darkness because if the light was to shine, they would be rebuked. That's where corruption comes in 
Corruption is often this mindset that I can do what I want and get away with it. Or as one very, very famous modern-day figure put it, why did you do what you did, implying that what was done was evil? And the reply to why this famous, powerful person did the evil thing is simply, because I could. Because I could do it and think that nobody's watching, I wouldn't be accountable, it feels good, it looks good, and, you know, I am a powerful person, so why not? Of course, that individual went on to say they regretted their actions, but unfortunately, the damage is done. And therefore, Jesus is talking about the fact that light has come into the world, but instead of embracing the light, many people say no, because they love the darkness, the deeds are evil, but the person who loves light, loves truth, loves righteousness, loves God, and fears God. They are walking in the light, and whatever they do, it will be seen of people that this is a deed from God. Let me read to you now from chapter 3 of the Gospel of John, verses 17 to 26. Our lesson is called, Believe It or Not. The reference once again, John chapter 3, verses 17 to 26. Let's listen to the word of the Lord, and bear in mind, this reading comes right after John 3.16. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth the truth or he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Aenon near to Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. Our reading is from John chapter 3, verses 17 to 26. And our lesson is called, Believe It or Not. Friends, in one sense, what we're reading, the words of Jesus himself, are black and white, light and darkness, life and death. Seems to be no middle ground here. But remember, everything here is grace and truth. Everything is undergirded with God's love. And for those that hear God's word and receive the invitation, they will have no regrets Indeed, the blessings will be 
incalculable and innumerable. So let's start off with verse 17 of John 3. Salvation, not condemnation. God did not send his son, Jesus Christ, into the world for the purpose of condemnation. On the contrary, as the previous verse, verse 16, tells us, he loved the world so much that he gave his very, very best. He gave his only begotten son because the purpose is not condemnation and death. The purpose of sending Jesus to the world is salvation and life. It is like saying the lifeboats on the Titanic were given to save people from drowning, not cause them to drown. Jesus is in the salvation business, not in the condemnation business. He is the doorway to salvation. Although ultimately, when he returns, he will be the righteous judge. Remember, in Revelation 19, he is the rider on the white horse, and he comes and righteously judges and righteously makes war. The war truly to end all wars. They then have this intriguing verse, verse 18 of John 3, condemned already. Now, verse 16 of John 3 speaks of the most loving, glorious reality. God loves, God gives, Christ saves. But then there are consequences. When you believe in Christ and the gospel, it says you are not condemned. But to not believe means condemnation already has happened because of the lack of faith in believing in the name of the only begotten Son. It's kind of like being on death row, waiting for execution. The person on death row is clearly guilty. The person on death row has committed a capital crime. The person on death row is basically waiting for justice to be done. If the door of mercy is open to that person on death row, they have a choice. You can believe in that door and go through it and be spared the execution, or you can either not believe in it or not go through it and then let nature take its course. It's a bit like that here. To not believe is to be condemned already. While the question can be rightly asked, what about those who have never heard the gospel? And yes, what about them? It is an important thing. But it appears that at a very minimum, and I don't claim to have the full understanding of this verse, though I think it's pretty clear, at a minimum, this verse is talking about those who have at least heard the good news and refuse to believe it. We believe in the mercy of God. We believe in the statement that Abraham said to God, shall the judge of the whole earth do what is right? And God truly is just in all his ways and holy in all his works. But as I said, at the very least, this verse is talking about people who have heard and don't believe, and it's to such that are condemned already. I mean, they were condemned before, and by not believing, they stay in that state. Now, it doesn't mean they're permanently in that state. There's still a chance, while they live, to turn around, to repent, and come to faith. It is like saying that those who refuse a seat on the lifeboat 
are condemned to death on the sinking ship. Again, using the metaphor of the Titanic. Then in John 3 and verse 19, Jesus actually defines or describes condemnation. He is, after all, the light of the world and has come into the world to bring that light to everyone. Lovers of darkness reject the light because it's exposing their deeds for what they are, evil. Now, regarding those who have never heard, Romans speaks of being judged according to the light you already have. I believe that's chapter 1. Just somehow nature itself bears witness, not only to the handicraft of God, but also to the righteousness of God too. You need to read Romans 1 for more information. Then it talks about deeds are exposed. What deeds? Well, it says in verse 20 of John 3, lovers of darkness do that which is evil, and they hate the light. The light condemns their works. Ultimately, the condemnation they receive is of their own doing. However, there is hope in verse 21, come to the light. Those who know and practice the truth come to the light. When they do, their deeds are manifested as being from God. Remember that last day's living entails contrasts. Dark things and dark people get even darker. Wicked things and wicked people become more wicked. But people in the light become brighter, and righteous people become more righteous. It is a time of contrast. It's a time of extremes. It's a time of transition, where the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. So, deeds are exposed, and we are invited to come into the light. But let's learn a little bit more here. It talks about the land of Judea, verse 22 of John 3. Now, knowing geography can be helpful in understanding the Bible. Jesus was born in a little town called Bethlehem. We know that from the hymns and especially know it from the New Testament. Bethlehem is in the region of Judea, and Jesus is not only born in Judea, he is from the tribe of Judah, and more specifically and gloriously, he is from the house of David. After all, he is the son of David, the Messiah, and the soon-coming king. Nevertheless, though he's a Judean, Jesus was raised in Galilee, specifically in the little village of Nazareth, and then he moved over to Capernaum, where his ministry was based. Now, the synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they primarily focus on Jesus's Galilean ministry. John's gospel is different. It focuses more on Judea. So he, Jesus that is, and his disciples came to Judea, stayed there, and began to baptize people. It was a continuation and enlargement of the work of John the Baptist. Then we learn in John 3.23 about John in Judea. That's John the Baptist, not John the beloved disciple. And what do we read? That he was baptizing in the region of Anon, near Salem. He was at a particular location because, it says, there was much water there. 
This implies that John's baptism had to be by immersion, or even full immersion. Otherwise, why would he need much water? In fact, the word anon, A-E-N-O-N, the name, means not just one spring, but multiple springs, or it's the plural, implying, again, much water. Now, to be honest, we don't know the exact location of Aenon. It may have been something like 12 kilometers south of the city of Beit Sha'an, at the intersection of the Jezreel Valley and the Jordan Valley, probably a one-hour drive from the Sea of Galilee, southward. Then we have a note, free, John three twenty four. John the Baptist was still free. He had not yet been imprisoned by Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee. John eventually would run afoul of the Tetrarch because of his criticism of Herod's marriage to his sister-in-law and possibly niece named Herodias. Then came a dispute. John 3.25, John's disciples and some of the Jews had questions, perhaps an argument, about ritual purification. Being near water may have been the catalyst for the discussion, because, of course, John is baptizing, and baptism in itself implies some form of purification. And then our final verse for this lesson, John 3.26, speaks about competition. John's disciples in this discussion with the Judeans, were alarmed that Jesus of Nazareth and his disciples were also baptizing people, and they actually said, all men come to him. Competitiveness and comparison can be common in Christian life and service, but we really need to try to steer clear of these things because they're basically part of immaturity and carnality. So the disciples of John are concerned that Jesus was taking away ministry from them. But in the next lesson, we'll see that John had a very, very relaxed attitude of it all. Now, our lesson is called Believe It or Not. And what is our lesson for life? Faith is your lifeline to the very good things of God. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.